Hello, hello, and welcome to Podcast Assemble. This week, I'm taking a week off, so this is an excerpt from our YouTube channel. Find us on YouTube. Just search Podcast Assemble. We are there. Trying to do more YouTube stuff, so check us out. Let us know what you think by dropping us a like at Podcast Assemble on Instagram or find us at thepodcastassemble at gmail.com. On with the show. Tally-ho. Hello, hello. My name's Tommy, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Podcast Assemble. If you clicked on this video because of the clickbaity title, you've once again fallen for one of my classic pranks. Fool me once, hey. Full disclosure, I don't actually hate Game of Thrones. Why would I? It's great! Both the hit TV show and the book series it's based on are for the most part masterpieces. The direct translation of epic moments such as the Battle of the Blackwater are the reason I love the show and haven't been done so well since Peter Jackson stepped up to direct the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. I guess the less we say about The Hobbit, the better. In fact, my podcast co-host, Dio, holds Game of Thrones up as what we call our Mount Rushmore of TV shows. Check us out. We're at Podcast Assemble. And do not get me started on shows that tried to ape the success of Thrones. Since the show aired back in 2001, we've had a host of The Next Throneses or Game of Thrones Killers. You can't see, but I'm making large, ironic quotation marks with my fingers in the air. Check out our linked episode below on shows that tried to be Game of Thrones and failed, if you don't believe me. Now, with the upcoming House of the Dragons prequel show about to hit HBO, I thought it might be good, once again, to strap on my concerned citizen hat and discuss a universe that we hope isn't heading towards another intervention. Here's why I hate Game of Thrones. You can consider this your spoiler warning from here on out. As I mentioned, House of the Dragon is almost upon us, and we're stoked. The cast looks phenomenal, the premise looks to be a fresh take on a world we fell in love with, focusing on the infamous event in Westerosian history known as the Dance of the Dragons. Now this is a civil war that took place between siblings Aegon II and Rhaenyra? Rahernia? Rahernia. Anyway, it's over the throne after the death of Viserys I. Jeez, that's hard to say. It looks like it's going to deliver all the political injury we fell in love with. And with even more dragons! Matt Smith and co. appear to be set to kick off a new era of ravenous fandom for Thrones-based YouTube speculation and water cooler chatter. If, if you know, that that's still a thing. However, the problem with Game of Thrones was never how it began, it was how it ended. Now the declining quality of the show was somewhat muddied by the ability of the showrunners to lean on big spectacle episodes as the series continued. If you read between the lines though, you begin to see a picture of a rushed story and broken characterization that drove towards an ending that baffled and bemused fans. If you want to get serious about this, you need look no further than the Rotten Tomatoes scores themselves. And you can see those episode ratings outside of the spectacle episodes dipping post season 5, which coincidentally coincide with the showrunners running out of materials from the books to weave their story. With writer George Aramat himself actually commenting that he had less and less input on the show as the series continued. Aside from these bright shining spectacle moments in the later episodes, I mean, when you could actually see what was going on, the eighth season ended on something of a damp squib. Poor pacing, wild fluctuations in characterization, and 
plot armor thicker than Steve Harrington about to do something completely stupid. Admittedly, some of the better rated episodes are in latter seasons, but the overall focus on spectacle and flagship episodes resulted in a loss in intrigue that made the show what it was. Tyrion's season two battle where he was knocked out due to the budgetary reasons made for highly entertaining TV and interesting character development, but the bigger budgets did not necessarily equal better storytelling. Again, let's look at Tyrion for example. His entire characterization throughout the early show revolves around him being the smartest in, well, any room he was in. And if smarts didn't get the job done, his quick thinking and wits would. However, by the end of the show, he's reduced to hiding in a crypt. I repeat, a crypt where you bury your loved ones while fighting a bloke who, you know, flat out can raise the dead. Oh, and I guess making eunuch jokes too. Fun! And the less we say about Daenerys, the better. Now, I'm completely aware this is predominantly down to the showrunners, who we'll get to shortly. Oh ho, don't think you're getting away scot-free, D&D. But the way the lack of book material affected the writing is significant and led to what many have ranked among the worst TV endings of all time. The new House of the Dragon series, however, has a full book arc to work from. So let's hope the showrunners have a full outline prepared and no one falls into the trap of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Syndrome, trying to squeeze every last book out of a franchise, so that this time, years of anticipation isn't ruined for the fans. Seldom have a fan base been as engaged with a book series as the Game of Thrones fans are with A Song and Ice of Fire, perhaps even since the legendary J.R.R. Tolkien penned The Lord of the Rings. Much like our ramblings over at Podcast Assemble, my uncle and his group of friends as teenagers would spend their evenings and weekends poring over the Lord of the Rings books, discussing theories, favorite moments, and whether anything would ever come close to topping the deep, rich narrative of Middle-earth. Then in 1996, along came George R.R. Martin, ah, George, whose first tome in the series named A Game of Thrones released and was initially outlined as a trilogy and quickly evolved into a heptology of which George, I call him George, we besties, currently has published five volumes. Not only has the author built out a world around the direct Song and Ice and Fire series, he's also crafted an intricate history around the main story, one which includes the Doom of Valyria, the First Men, Duncan Egg, and so, so much more. But the book series have largely languished since the fifth book was published in 2011, coincidentally the same year as the show began, I have a rather unpopular fan theory on the podcast that George R. R. Martin has in fact finished his books and has locked them away in a vault to be released upon his death. I mean, it's mainly just to spite my co-host DL. However, as discussed, this had a direct impact on the show itself. The show was never shy to make change from the source material, but as the series surpassed the books, they quickly ran out of direction. George Martin's apathy towards completing his masterpieces in many ways directly contributed to the show's derailment. George R. R. Martin actually commented on Game of Thrones' final and shortened seasons, stating that he had less and less input on the show as the series continued, which in some ways makes sense. It was no longer his story. I wonder if my uncle were born later, he'd be an angry YouTube fan by making videos and podcasts about Thrones. Do you remember when season six was coming out? We do. We remember the hype post Jon Snow's prison-style shivering at the hands of his Night's Watch brethren. We remember how excited we all were to see how, if, could he even by some miracle be resurrected. 
while Danny had just gone on a walk around and was sure to return with a new improved Dothraki horde. The suspense, oh, the suspense. Yes, so what? Season five had been the first time the show had seemed anything less than a playbook on how to create engrossing masterpieces in action fiction telly. We just needed to know. However, while fans on the internet were whipping themselves into a frenzy, showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss were quietly plotting how to get the series over with, with the impossible task of crafting an ending that no one had yet written. Or not, I suppose? It was around this time D&D had been in discussions with other major studios, realising the show would inevitably have to end at some point. They had to think about the future. In February 2018, it was announced that Pearl would direct a new Star Wars trilogy. One outspoken fanbase wasn't enough, eh boys? Well actually, it turns out it was. As Thrones shifted gear towards what became the final few seasons, in hindsight it seems evident that there were already cracks beginning to appear. No doubt, the looming 2022 penciled release date for Benioff and Vice's first Star Wars movie was beginning to put pressure on the showrunners to be done with their Westerosian staycation, to begin to focus on a galaxy far, far away. The show began to run away from D&D. George R. R. Mars himself claimed that the show could have easily been 10 seasons in content, while HBO were more than happy to give the showrunners all the money all the time they needed to bring the flagship show to a conclusive ending. And from there, we all know what happened. I mean, if you don't, just go, go back and listen to point one. Not cool, D&D. Interestingly, soon after the ending of Thrones, D&D announced that they were no longer moving ahead with the Star Wars movies, leading some speculation that the fan reaction to the ending was unacceptable to Disney and that they were dropped. Though, they also announced around the same time they'd signed a bumper deal with Netflix, which is yet to bear any fruit. Either way, since the divisive ending to the show, the boys have certainly taken some time away from the spotlight. Now to me, the legacy of Game of Thrones won't tarnish the new House of the Dragon show before it's even had a chance to breathe fire onto our screens. The trailers have slowly been building hype over Podcast Assemble, with, with new showrunners in place, along with a more comprehensive story to draw from. It is certainly a very enticing prospect. But we can't help but just feel a little relieved that this show won't be helmed by D&D. To reiterate, I still have a lot of love for Game of Thrones, and hopefully the new show lives up to the promise. Essentially, the problem I have with Game of Thrones is the showrunners and the ending. No, 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 wait. Two problems I have with Game of Thrones are the showrunners, the ending, and the over-reliance on a book series that hadn't yet ended. No, wait! But what we want to know is, what do you think? Let me know if you're suckered in once again by the clickbaity title and stage my ramblings in the comments below. This is becoming a bit of a why I hate series. I think you get the picture by now. And if you like what you're hearing, feel free to like and subscribe. We also have a podcast called Podcast Assemble for your regular dose of geeky entertainment, where we'll be discussing all the new House of the Dragon episodes. Why not join us? Thanks for popping by. Tally ho!